Welcome to the Integrated Schools Podcast. I'm Andrew, a white dad from Denver. And I'm Courtney, a white mom from L.A. Episode 6, The Hidden Gem. We've got Anna back from episode one to discuss the idea of searching for a hidden gem school. Courtney, tell us a little bit about this idea of the hidden gem. Yeah. So when we are talking about a hidden gem, we're talking about how white people really frame a school that serves mostly black and brown students. Hidden gems are schools that haven't you know, made it onto the spreadsheets of white and privileged parents who are diligently going about deciding where to enroll their kids. These are often schools that have lower test scores and or don't have those flashy sounding programs or glossy brochures. And they're actually schools that are actually doing a pretty great job of educating kids and or have cool stuff like a theater program or joyfully progressive faculty or badass principal or whatever. But it's mostly a school that hasn't really been discovered by white families, at least yet. And it's a school that you know, surely white people would like. It has the hallmarks of things that white parents want, but is missing, you know, white families. (laughs) And so around this hidden gem narrative is also this sense of surprise. Like, wow, this school with all the black and brown kids actually is good. Right. Right. It's not a problem that there are schools that are actually hidden gems, right? There are schools out there that are actually good schools. But the problem is really with how this sort of narrative can lead white people in some really dangerous directions. So it's a good conversation. Really glad to have Anna back to talk about it because she's awesome. But before we jump into it, Courtney, we've heard from a few people that there's some terminology that we use that maybe we should define a little bit. Yeah. Uh, You know, we think language matters. We try to be thoughtful about the language we use, but sometimes that can leave people a bit confused because this is confusing stuff. Um, So we're going to try to take a stab at defining a few of those for you here. But if there are things that you hear us saying, that thinking, what are they talking about? Shoot us an email, let us know. We'll try to cover to the next one. And you know what? Even more importantly, if there's something that we keep saying that you think, man, I can't believe they're talking like that, please let us know. Call us out. We know we're not always doing it right, but we want to try to do better. Yeah. And so the first one that comes up often is a global majority school. Courtney, can you tell us what a global majority school is? Yeah. So global majority refers to black and or brown folks and is, I guess, the best way to frame this, right? Like it's a much needed replacement for, quote, non-white, which just categorizes people by what color their skin isn't and centers whiteness. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And global majority also calls out the word minority because, in fact, white people are actually the minority around the world and will be the minority in the United States if all the demographic predictions are right by what, like 2044. And white kids are the minority of this year's national public school kindergarten class. Yeah. Uh, One of the other terms we use a lot, Andrew, is integrating school. You want to take that one? Yeah. So we use this to differentiate an integrated school, a school that reflects the diversity of the community that it's situated in, of which, you know, sadly, there are not very many, um, and a school that is not yet integrated, um, you know, fully acknowledging that the yet may in many cases be sort of wishful thinking. But there's usually a global majority school where white and or privileged kids are attending, but maybe not in the numbers that are actually reflective of the broader school community. And I think that word reflective is really important. You know, does XYZ school reflect the demographics of your city? Because there are schools that are diverse, 
but that don't reflect the community. Right, exactly, right. In a district that's only 20% white, a school that is 40% white could be considered diverse, but it's also a concentration of whiteness. The yeah. same way a school that's 40% free to reduce price lunch in a city that's 80% is a concentration of wealth. So, I mean, diverse schools are an admirable goal, but it can also be somewhat problematic. Yeah, that's right. And it speaks, and I love this part, to what Nicole Hannah-Jones refers to as, quote, curated diversity. Mm -hmm. So if the school has, a, you know, a rainbow of students, but they're all tumbling out of Audis in the morning. <laughs> right, right. Or if all the white kids are hunkered down in one school over in one part of the neighborhood. <laughs> that's right. Like, this is a form of curating. And I think that what we need to curate the school experience ignores or maybe doesn't take into account is that our kids are going to still be white after school, right? Like they're always carrying that with right. them. Right. Yeah. And and we know that like the single biggest predictor for academic success is parents and privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should um, stop talking now and listen to the conversation we had with Anna. Yes. Let's do it. On with the show. We're here with Courtney and Anna. Anna, introduce yourself for us, please. Oh, hi. I'm Anna. Uh, I'm a white mom from Los Angeles, and I have two kids that are three and six, and my six-year-old is in first grade at a global majority, low-income neighborhood public school. Awesome. And we're talking about a hidden gem and I think when we talk about it, I want to envision using our air quotes. <laughs> Every time we say the word <laughs> hidden gem, imagine lifting up your four fingers and air quoting. I think there is a concern that comes up when people talk about a hidden gem school or sort of come to the integration conversation looking for a hidden gem. Yeah, so that happens a lot with parents that we talk to at integrated schools. So we'll hear comments around how great the school is, like always paired with a sense of surprise. Like, I, I didn't know, but actually this school with mostly black and brown kids has a ton of really cool stuff. And oftentimes that's true, right? Like we have this expectation that black and brown schools are, you know, these kind of like stand and deliver places where occasionally there'll be a heroic teacher or principal, but largely it's just this terrifying environment of harsh discipline and unruly children and whatever terrible things you can kind of imagine. And so when we step foot in one that's not, it's like surprising. But I think we have to be careful around how we talk about hidden gems in our community. And I think the surprise itself is a little bit problematic. Yeah. And I think it's also problematic because you aren't necessarily doing the work of really thinking about what it means to integrate. And when we're not talking about integration, mm -hmm. we're not talking about integration. You know, so then people end up leaving when suddenly the hidden gem gets a little dirty. It's not quite hidden gemmy enough. <laughs> right, and you're set up to think that it's going to be this perfect space. That's a really misguiding, dangerous term in this space. What a hidden gem is implying is that there's only one way to view whether a school is good or bad. And if a school is global majority, it's generally bad. But there may be exceptions 
where even though we think they're all bad, there may be one that's not. When people ask where my daughter goes to school on the playground and I say the name of my daughter's school, the first, you know, five words are always the same. Oh, wow. Is that a good school? I'm, aside from the fact that a lot of people are like, oh, I've never heard of that school before. Even though it's right down the street from them. Right. Even though it's, I'm like, oh yeah, it's that building right there. <laughs> but the, the this idea that, oh, is that actually a good school? And the hidden gem narrative, in air quotes, is, oh yeah, it's actually, that, it's always the word, it's actually a good school surprise. And for me personally in this experience, like I've stopped saying that. And I've started saying, it depends on how you define good. Because I think inside a hidden gem is this idea that like there still needs to be white held norms and values. You know, there's this liberal progressive ideology, but that completely stops when it comes to talking about kids in education. So I think the hidden gem is like, rather than addressing integration, it's a way to like pander to those values, but then we still are holding on to the wrong values. Yeah, I think to me it feels like there's sort of two separate problems. One of them is the way that talking about a hidden gem sort of perpetuates this narrative, the smog that we talk about of like what makes a good school and what doesn't. This school is only a good school because it is an outlier. It is unlike what you expect it to be like. So the fact that you never thought about that school or looked at that school, like that's understandable because why would you? You just didn't know that this was sort of hiding. That's why it was hidden. I think the other piece of it that's problematic, in my mind at least, is if the goal is to find a hidden gem, then we are still dealing with white people hoarding resources. That's right. Yeah. And what does it say about the schools that aren't hidden gems and the students that attend there? Right. Because those schools have plenty of kids at them too. Right. I think the the problem with, or one of the many problems with the hidden gem narrative too, is that it sets up this direct line for colonizing. Yeah. Like there on the shore is all of these natural resources that if we just land our white boat here, we can take advantage of all of these things that this native land has to offer, right? So it's this opportunity hoarding and sort of this predisposition toward colonizing those spaces. Okay. So, you know, before I get a big head about the, the work that we're doing, putting my skin in the game and investing in our school system in this way and blah, blah, blah. I want to say like, I'm really good at doing it wrong too. And I'm thinking back to when, before my daughter started kindergarten, when rallying felt like an important thing. Can you define rallying real quick, Anna? I would like to define rallying as colonization, right? There's safety in numbers, getting together a group of parents to maintain your power in a school situation. Like I'm not willing to give up my access to power, my influence. So therefore, if there are five of us, we can outflank, outvote, out email, out fundraise. And so I think rallying is holding on to collective power in order to have like have a sense of safety. But the way I went about it was in a very white way. And it involved uh, wine and cheese at my house, uh, posts on Nextdoor, posts on Facebook, come and let's talk about 
the school. And, you know, we did talk about race and class and segregation and integration in that, in some ways. But I was doing some Googling about the school. There was an article and they were calling them. And it wasn't parents. It was actually the school district was calling out what they called diamonds in the rough. Ugh. And there was the article and our school was called out as being a diamond in the rough. And I remember thinking at the time, ooh, goody, I will share this with the other women's march attending, (laughs) resist t-shirt wearing, white liberal parents who are coming to have wine and cheese to talk about the school. And this will be good. The good news is, is the recruitment effort was not successful. And so therefore it was very successful in that, you know, we still have our challenges, but it didn't completely colonize the kindergarten class at my daughter's school. I think that sort of narrative that says, despite these kids, despite these stereotypes, despite these teachers, despite the lack of involvement of whiteness, this school is a diamond in the rough. These poor schools suck, but some suck less. So maybe you should go to the ones that suck less and you can all be together at the ones that suck less. And I was like, oh, goody, I'm going to share this with other parents and show them. And I have deep regrets about that because I think that was the wrong way to look at it completely. But at the same time, like the school does need more butts and seats, right? Yeah. So what's the right way to look at that? You need to pull in more people. Is it that you only can pull in more people who aren't white? We had a school meeting about this today, about enrollment. And it was a meeting held in the you know majority language spoken at the school, which in the case of my daughter's school is not English. And a few parents, myself included, took the position of how do you other parents at the school How do you feel about recruiting? What makes sense to you? What do you think would speak to parents? Where do you think we should go to look for parents? Where do you think we should go to look for students? What does that look like to you? Not as a before I even get there, before I'm even a parent at the school. How, right, I know what you need. You need more of me. (laughs) Right, me and all my friends. Yeah, exactly. And our new marketing plans and our graphic designer that is going to pander to white sensibilities. But like, so we've had conversations with parents at school. What do you think other parents would respond to? Not white parents, you know, and the parents had a lot of great ideas. And I also think that there's something to be said about what white families you bring in. Yeah. When we feel like part of our work is to change the way we're talking about integration and if, if our goal is actually integrated schools, we, we do need people who are white, who are black, who are brown, who are wealthy, who are struggling financially. We have all of those people are, that, that's the goal to be in these schools. And then oftentimes one of the missing elements are people with means and white people, right? And so those are the people that we often have to bring into the school. So if that's what we're talking about, I think what matters a lot is who those people are, who are stepping in the door. Or where, where they are on, on this journey, where, where they are in thinking about these topics or sort of how. Okay, see, this is why we needed Andrew on this podcast as a co-host, because here I was judging people and he's, you know, like outlining 
a, a broader understanding. So thank you, Andrew. But yes, right, exactly. So the folks that you want to bring in are people who are considering what it means to meaningfully integrate and not in terms of colonizing. And so when we are, air quote, selling the air quote, hidden gem school, we don't actually have to talk about meaningful integration necessarily, because what we're selling are, you know, oh, the school actually, actually, Anna, has it. Actually. I got to look out for actually. Actually has a computer lab. It actually has yoga. It actually had, like, we actually had yoga and I used it as a term to, we, to when we're in this space talking about integration, my school doesn't have yoga and why that's okay. And then, and then I, they actually had yoga. I just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't sold to me or marketed to me in a white way, in a way yeah. that spoke to me in a way that I could go and then brag about it to my friends. You know, this is not about posing. This is about Oh, and I'm not going to say sacrifice because that, I think that's a very dangerous word. And I think it's a very tricky word to use, but, but like reevaluating my priorities, reevaluating how to bring my goals as a citizen in line with my goals as a parent. Nice. Because if it's a hidden gem school, I can still be exceptional because it's an exception. But if it's not a hidden gem school, then I'm just a citizen. I'm just a participant in democracy, attempting to make equality of opportunity a reality in this country, regardless of zip code, regardless of homeschool, regardless of race, gender, identity, class. I think the the culture that is established from people's first experience with the school really makes a big difference. I think the school uh, my kids are now, you know, if you come and take a tour, like you're going to hear about, about race, you're going to hear about integration, mm -hmm. you're going to hear about valuing diversity, you're going to hear about these things that are sort of important values for the school community. And I think it has two benefits. One, it, there, there are some people who hear it and they're like, that's not really what I'm into. <laughs> I was wondering if you had gluten-free vegan smoothies every Tuesday afternoon. And if you don't, yeah. I'm out. And so you sort of self-select a little bit that way. But the people who are, haven't really sort of thought too much about it end up coming in and saying, okay, this is, and I've, we've seen it happen. You know, a uh, parent comes and takes a tour. They're like, oh, that's kind of a cool thing to think about. And then their kid shows up in the school and they're like, oh, I see what you guys are talking about. You know what? This actually is really an important value to me. Like I'm now I'm ready to go and sort of fight on behalf of this as well. That's right. Because I think this is a value. That's so right. what it makes me think as I'm like saying this is that maybe I'm in a hidden gem school. Like that, that is not the case for a number of schools. So maybe my school is a hidden gem. And Anna, like it sounds like your parent meeting this morning was really powerful. And maybe you're also in a hidden gem school. And I, according, we sort of talked about this. Are those actually outliers? Are they actually hidden gems in some way? Or is there something about the way that we are coming into these spaces that changes how we evaluate those schools? So what is super fascinating is your kind of realization is not uncommon. I hear from parents all the time. It was this big thing to make this very different decision against the playground smog. I'm choosing to send my kid to this global majority school. And I was terrified, but I did it. And I am glad that I did it. And then six months later, you hear like, 
this school is actually pretty amazing. Actually. Actually, right? I've actually heard from a couple of parents since that they feel badly for having chosen a school that is that good. Like they're not really doing the work that they thought that they would be doing. They're not making the quote sacrifice that they thought that they would be making. You know, and this is not just from one parent. This is from a bunch of different parents in different parts of the country at different schools. Anyway, I think this sense of, I don't don't want to say guilt around it because it's not guilt. It's just really fascinating how people end up showing up and then how they end up feeling about it. And so is this a question of the school is actually, actually better than you expected Or have you done different work before attending that school with your kids so that you're seeing different, beautiful things? I would say the latter. I think removing myself from the confines and comforts of the hyper-competitive desire to get yours for your kids and um, laying down that battle armor and that sword and like being about community, that is the gift. I like took a cheesy parenting class once where they talked about like how to greet your children and how to say goodbye to them at school and like how to frame a day for them. I know I I just was desperate to be a good parent y'all. That's all. Um, and, and someone, some cheesy gal was like, I tell my kids to find the joy that like the joy is there. So like, go find it, go get it, not have a good day, not, you know, wait for a good day to come to you. Right, right. You are owed a good day. And so (laughs) it should come to you. And if it doesn't, then I will call the principal and make sure it does. And we'll pull you out of that school and we'll put you in a different school. And there's a lot of that too. Like, oh, you've got to find your fit, find the right fit for you. And it's like, no, dude, just wear it. Maybe baggy, maybe a little tight, maybe a little frayed. Just put it on and wear it and go and then like enjoy. I think when we're intentional about integration and when we're intentional about community building, perspective sharing, being anti-racist allies, holding space for people that have been traditionally marginalized in society, when it's not white saviorism, it's allyship, then we don't have to view the school with the critical eye of the hidden gem. Is the hidden gem school meeting my expectations? Am I getting mine? Is my kid getting theirs? And every day we participate in democracy. And like, I get to let, I get to set down the dagger of the anti-worksheet, free play, Reggio Emilia Waldorf experience. And I get to set down the cloak of no, no chocolate milk is bad for kids and therefore should not be allowed at school and homework. And if I was in a hidden gem mentality that I would be trying to spin or like, we're going to get rid of homework. Don't worry. Just come to the school. It's a hidden gem because we're going to get rid of homework. And just saying, I just need, I just need six more white parents. And then we can definitely, definitely convince the principal to get rid of homework. That's right. And that's hidden gem. And so what we're saying is like, when I participate in a, in an intentional way and yeah, other white parents are welcome to doing this in an intentional way. Then it, I don't need the hidden gem to meet my expectations or else I'm going to pull my kid out because like I'm invested. You know, but when, when we're talking, when we're talking about this hidden gem, when we're talking about these special programs, when we're talking about all of these other things, 
the, the bottom line to me is we're not talking about integration. And, and we can look at the history of, you know, magnets tried to do the same thing. I mean, like the, our, our right. story around desegregation, our policy story for the past bunch of decades has been the hidden gem story. Right. Like, look, in this black side of town, in the brown side of town, there's a school with a butterfly vivarium. If you, you can go there and it'll be great, right? But we have only sold the butterfly vivarium. Right. We haven't sold the integration. That's right. So there are places where we have, you know, desegregation happening and desegregation is different, right, than integration. Desegregation is the moving of bodies. Integration is something altogether different in in really talking about community and what belonging and all of this stuff means. But we've barely done desegregation in some places because we're using the hidden gem, because we think that's the only way that white people move. And maybe that's true. Like maybe that's just the the story of whiteness is that we only move if we see something shiny. (laughs) Or turtles. But I think that I think that there's more to what parenting can be and to more to what white people can be than just diving for the shiny penny and grabbing it up. I hope so. You know, we talk about this a lot, this whole like, oh, like what what would happen if I had the same critical eye about my low income Title I, no frills school as I do for other things? I feel like when it's a hidden gem, we can be so much more critical of its performance. And when we let go of that title, we can be so much more focused on community building and allyship. And, and like participating in the messy business of, uh, of American democracy through the foundation of equality of opportunity. You can find the joy yeah. in your school. Yeah. And if it's not a hidden gem, then it doesn't have to look like what you would define. You know, the irony is that if I had written out on my vision board of my life for my, what's my ideal outcome, I would have totally shortchanged myself, my experience, my kids' experience you know, wanting the hidden gem, but getting this experience that's so much more rich in other ways and like creates a foundational shift, hopefully, that is contagious that other parents through this podcast and through the work of integrated schools, like that we're, when we lay down the idea of talking about and looking for the hidden gem, then we're actually like facilitating a way to make integration possible. Yeah. I think one of the things that happens is that when white families show up to integrating schools, especially in diverse neighborhoods, right? Like a kind of colonizing, let's fix the broken school if we all go together kind of way. If it's a hidden gem, as soon as the going gets tough, those folks leave, right? And and not only do they leave, they leave a toxic wake behind them. Yeah, right. I mean, we we see this often, right? White parents get upset and then they talk to their friends and the outrage machine gets cranked up to 10 and meetings are held. And sometimes even mid-year, they pull their kids out of a school. And I guess, you know, I'm not sure I would argue that it's never the right thing to change schools mid-year, but that sort of decision can't be taken lightly, right? I mean, there, there are real consequences beyond just your child and your family to a decision like that. Right. There have even been stories of situations where teachers have had to be let go because enrollment declined so sharply. And, you know, schools often are funded based on how many students they have enrolled. 
right. you know, people's jobs are at stake here, right? And, you know, this is not even to mention the impact that this can have on the school culture when this outrage machine gets cranked up, right. but also the kids. Yes, right. It's the kids in the classroom where a bunch of white kids leave for the quote unquote good school down the block because they have the resources to make that happen and who gets left behind, right? I mean, the kids, kids aren't dumb. They know these things. Yep. Mine did. My kid definitely felt that. And he asked why he wasn't going to the better schools. <laughs> yeah. I think about the um, the Bordens from episode two. I think they were talking about things that went wrong in their school that, that would have also gone wrong in their original like white privilege school. But the tendency to in the context of a quote unquote hidden gem school to to view those as flaws related to the school or related to those particular students or whatever, rather than looking at them as it's school. They're, they're kids. There's going to be problems. And at the school that is rated a 10, when these things happen, people write it off because they're like, oh, like, you know, these, these things just happen. That's right. At the school that's rated a two, it's like, see, see, I told you. We talk about like some of the challenges of the rallying cries of integrated schools. One of them is like, your kid's not special. And like, nobody really wants to sort of show up for that. <laughs> and we're like, you shouldn't go looking for a good school. Like <laughs> hidden gem is a problem. I think that's a problem too. But I think that it's what it is. It's like, uh, you should look for a hidden gem, but like what's hidden about it and what's gem about it, you have to rethink. It's hidden because the things that are good about it are not the things that necessarily the sort of white dominant people with privilege way they think about schools talk about good schools. And the gem part is like not the yoga studio or the computer lab, but is the community, mm. is the personal interactions, is the potential for friendship and the potential for growth and uh, the opportunity to talk about hard issues like race and racism and structural inequities and all of the other things that come along with it. And those are the actual gems. And so I think we just have to, 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 to redefine what we mean by, you know, what is a good school by what is the gem that is hidden? And oftentimes it's just kids. Yeah. Kids in a building. Well, I am really happy we had this conversation. I feel like I've been hearing about the hidden gem so much recently. I think we've rambled quite a bit in this conversation. Yes. <laughs> and, and these can be such slippery, such slippery conversations. Um, maybe we need to do some key takeaway points, Andrew. Yes, I like that. You know, talking about this stuff can touch on a lot of things. It's hard to pick any sort of linear path through them. But <laughs> right. I think one, one of the things that I took away is you know, in addition to being sort of cautious about hidden gems and global majority schools and how we talk about them, the hidden gen gem narrative really perpetuates the idea of good schools and bad schools that we hear on the playground, that we hear in the smog, the way that white and privileged families talk about schools. Right. And the hidden gem narrative does not break down the good and bad school stories. And and we need to, we need to break those down. And I like um, how Anna said that it panders to these white normed values. Yeah, right. Rallying around a hidden gem is a way that white families 
continue to hoard resources. The goal is, you know, get the good stuff that's inside the school rather than actually integrating into the school. Yeah. And that can quickly lead right to colonizing where the white families flock to a hidden gem. And instead of trying to become a part of the community that already exists, instead work to remake it in our image of what a quote good school can be. Yeah. It doesn't prepare us for what it means to integrate and it can lead to white takeover. Yeah. And then when the going gets tough, as it can in both white segregated schools as well as global majority schools, but when the going gets tough, we leave, right? Because our mission had only been about, you know, gem collecting. <laughs> right. Right. If the hidden gem is your only goal, then we've we've lost much of of what could be present in integrating into a school. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, listeners, what did you think? Record us a voice memo. Email it to us, hello at integratedschools.org. Find us on social media at Integrated Schools. Better yet, if you have appreciated the work we're trying to do here at Integrated Schools, go to our website, integratedschools.org, and donate. $20, $200, $2 million. It'll go a long way to paying our bills as an all-volunteer organization and our tiny little podcast group. Yeah. And thanks to everyone who has emailed and rated and reviewed. We are really grateful for your feedback. It means a lot. And we're happy to be in this with you all as we try to know better and do better. Indeed. See you next time.